Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon everybody. Julianne and Lee here. Hello everyone, nice to be with you again. It's so good. I hope everybody enjoyed last week's discussion with my sister. It was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. What do you think about it? I thought it was fantastic. I think your sister's a really, really nice person and felt I know you and her have known each other forever but it was the first time I'd met her but I felt like I'd known her for years you know what's weird when you talk about because she's older than me which I constantly remind her so I've known her all my life but she hasn't known me all of hers which is quite weird when you think about it she's got like I mean she's probably not conscious of it but she's got two years of life experience without me in it it's quite weird when you think about it like that you know yeah and I mean we've got a a much older sister who we didn't really talk about probably fairly because she's not well okay I'll say it she's not one of the nicest people on the planet Caroline does do her best to try and just take the neutral ground so to put it in context my oldest sister who lives in Australia I'm estranged from she refuses to speak to me on a number of levels one of which is I'm pagan but yeah so she's a a rabid born-again Christian evangelicist so it was bad enough when I came out as a pagan and then I married a witch Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, because my ex is a third degree Wiccan priestess and she struggled with that. And I actually have a tattoo of both the pentagram and the my feminine deity who is Morgana. And I have a tattoo of that on my arm. Those of you who know me will know it. And she said to me, oh, you know, I live in Brisbane on the Gold Coast. And I've seen that nothing looks good on an old person. Tattoos are all shriveled up and everything. I said, well, you know what, Nikki? When I'm an old person, I'm pretty sure the only thing that'll look good on me is a 20-year-old. So that was, I think, strike two or three. And then I came out as transgender. And I think that at that point, she was was like, okay, fine, you're going to hell. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't have anything to do with you. Yeah, and my personal view is if there are people like her in heaven you better believe I don't want to be there (laughs) I certainly think all my friends will be in hell so I think it'll be a much nicer place speaking of which actually I saw something the other day which was it's a joke Okay, so this woman dies and she gets to heaven and God says to her, now that you are here, here is your dog who you lost so many years ago. And she's like, oh, my doggy, my doggy, my doggy. She's like, where's my cat? And then the next frame is just these cats having a party in hell, which is kind of <laughs> right, I think, for cats. They're definitely the devil's angels. But anyway, what are we talking about this weekly? I think we've been sort of rabbiting on. I, I did pride, trans pride a couple the weekend before last. And obviously we had the interview with Caroline scheduled for last week. So we didn't really have an opportunity to talk about it. But I did mention it on my music show. But yeah, so I did trans pride. It was really, really awesome. And I've got a video up on my sub stack, which is Tiger Girl 
www.substack.com and yeah go have a look if you want to see it. it it was a lot of fun and I it have looked to like say, a lot of fun i saw your video on your Substack, and it looked like a very joyous occasion it was really ma- amazing and when i consider the if i put london pride and trans pride back to back i think i did talk about this where i said that it really struck me at london pride how the community in general has you know the the, the court of public opinion is that lgbt people are not a problem you know if that was the case there would be a lot more pushback if you think of just stop oil everybody really hates them and they do small things they throw orange confetti around and everybody loses their minds so whereas (laughs) when us non-heteronormatives have our parades we shut down whole cities and people don't mind and it was quite interesting because on trans pride going on the march and because of the weather it was we had weather warnings and all the rest of it so we couldn't do the sort of pride in the park thing which was a bit disappointing because at the end of the day the weather wasn't actually too bad but I guess you just don't know and obviously you know I can say well it wasn't that bad I loved the way the wind made the flags all flapper around but I guess if you're trying to put up a sound stage Maybe it's a different kettle of fish. So I respect their decision to downsize a little bit. And it was just wonderful the way the Brighton community came together and put up options for us to reorganize the march and the celebration. I would like to go on record as saying that there is video evidence of me passing the Albion Hotel and it wasn't in flames. (laughs) (laughs) Much as I would like the fact that I think I'm so hot that that why the whole place went up in flames. I think it was all those hot trans people. But yeah, so the Hotel Albion burned down and just fortunately none of us, none of that wasn't one of the venues where we had sort of decamped to. And it was amazing because it is obviously disruptive. And because the LGBT community is a minority community, when we have our celebrations, we do disrupt the majority. And it's just wonderful to reflect on the fact that everybody was people stuck in traffic. If you're sitting in a car, it would have been hot. The wind had a cooling effect, so it wasn't uncomfortable to be outside. But I can only imagine if you're sitting in a car stuck in traffic, that it must have been quite inconvenient. But everybody was giving us thumbs up and waving. And it just serves as a reminder. And I think we all need to remind ourselves about this every single day that the world is not the world according to Twitter. And I think that's a really, really important point to make. And one of the most wonderful things is the downgrading of Kelly Jean Keen on YouTube. So she can't make money anymore. So she's pleading poverty. (laughs) And I think the point is, I do believe in freedom of expression. And I'm the first person to say that freedom of speech for some will eventually become freedom of speech for none. But then at the same time, if the vast majority of the community you exist in disagree with what you're saying and say to you, listen, you've got to shut up. 
because we can't, if we were living in a village and somebody kept ranting and raving about a particular aspect of village life, you'd kick them out the village, wouldn't you? So, yeah. I, mean, I, have, I have a similar thing in the village that I live in. We've got this Facebook group and people can go on and on and on and on about it. And it's always about dog poo. And <laughs> it's just like, don't really need that, you know? But I guess the thing is, it's again, if somebody is going overboard, I mean, I have one of those as well where I live and we have certain people who get particularly triggered by certain things I'm not going to go into <laughs> the various details I don't think dog poo is one of them where we are but yeah it's just interesting how when somebody puts something on there which is clearly an expression of something that doesn't fit with the community people will shut them down and say oh you can't say that or that's not right and then they scream and cry and say oh I'm being attacked I'm being attacked you're like no you said something and the vast majority of the people on this forum did not agree with you and if you keep espousing that then you will be taken off the community and I just go back if we were in the 1500s and living in a village and somebody was consistently irritating everybody in the village we would say to them listen you either need to put up shut up or get out of Dodge. So banning people from YouTube and cancelling them and all of these things is a natural process of forming a consensus in the public mind. And the problem with something like Twitter is it lets everybody say whatever the hell they want. And Elon Musk is on record as saying he is a free speech absolutist. And I think ultimately what he will learn is that you absolutely cannot allow people to just say whatever they want without consequences because there has to be consequence. What do you think? I totally agree. I would like to be able to not use Twitter, but it's one of those things where you cannot help yourself. You want to go in there and, and have a look. But uh, I just wish there was some kind of like filtering where you could filter out the noise and just focus on interesting stuff without all the conflict. Ah, oh, but now we're talking about echo chambers again. Yeah. So you can do that. You can just look at the posts of the people you follow. Although I find with that, the problem is some people I follow on Twitter are still trying to convince other people on Twitter that they shouldn't say so that they disagree with them. And it's a futile exercise. So yeah, you do sort of, obviously, I put these shows up a week later, and I promote them on Twitter. So I have to log into Twitter to put the shows up. And invariably, you get sucked in and you look at a few tweets and you're like, Oh, my God. But then having said that, what I saw today was all this news about Kelly Jean Keane whinging about now she's broke. And I'm like, okay, well, that was good news. So I'll take that. <laughs> oh, my goodness, we need to go to break. So we're going to go and get some messages from our sponsors. And we will be back right after this. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Many website owners don't like their website hosting company or support provider, but are too scared to move to someone else in case they lose their site or it affects their business. Based in Telford at Purple Prince Media, we will move your website to us free of charge with the best support possible. And if you're looking to start up a business, we're also here to design and build your website from the ground up with unbeatable prices on web hosting and dedicated servers. We're also certified Magento developers, which is the world's biggest e-commerce platform. So rest assured, your online business is just a click away. Drop us an email on hello at purpleprints.co.uk 
or visit purpleprints.co.uk to get started. Purple Prince Media, the local website company. Win £25,000 and help truck listens at the same time. Enter the Rainbow Lottery and click Truck Listens as your chosen organisation. And not only can you win £25,000, 50p of every ticket purchased will go to Truck Listens. Please see www.transradiouk.com and click Win £25,000 for more details. Ever thought about having your own radio show? Well, now you can, as we're looking for presenters to join our team. No experience is needed and minimal equipment required. For more information, email info at transradiouk.com. Transradio UK. Tune in via DAB in Ireland. Download our app via your smart speaker or online at transradiouk.com. Welcome here. Don't go anywhere as we bring you some more trucking, great music and jazz here on Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. We were just having a bit of a a chat over the break and I was moaning about the fact that my mouse on my computer goes to sleep if I don't wiggle it around. And I think Just Up Oil have obviously infected my mouse and keep energy saving me even when I'm like, Mm -hmm. I will tell you when I want you to go to sleep. Don't go to sleep and then i got to keep waking you up. Anyway, we were talking about Twitter before the break. and But before that, and again, it's one of those things where I go off on these random walks. We were talking about Trans Pride and obviously that's a really important thing. And one of the things that really struck me at Trans Pride was the gender diversity that was on display. And as a mature person, age-wise, physically, if not mentally, I was made quite aware of how we talked a few weeks ago about conscious and unconscious biases. And I realized I still see things as a gender binary. So by default, my unconscious competence is to see things as male and female. And I don't know how many of you listeners identify with this, whichever way you are transitioning, whether it's male to female or female to male. I, My personal experience is that I identify as female and therefore I want to present as female. And it's one of the conversations I had with one of my children because they identify as non-binary and they used to dress some days as a very sexy girl and some days as a very dykish girl and some days quite masculine and they always said to me that their biggest frustration was that they don't understand why gender is relevant and looking at the people last weekend I, I talk about we exist in the structurally binary society but then to what extent am I perpetuating that what do you think about that I have the same kind of unconscious bias and in, in mentality because I'm 50 years old now and for 50 years it's been female and male and it's like <laughs> it's like that's kind of like my programming to to know that this is like a binary thing but I'm learning as I go around that it, there, there is a, a gender diverse society that we belong to and every identity is valid and every voice matters and just going back to the trans pride experience that you had pride is about honoring every individual's rights to express their authentic self that's such a good way of putting it whatever they happen to be part 
part of the challenge is that the first three letters are gender binary because you've got L, which are mm-hmm. the lesbians, who are cisgendered women who love cisgendered women, simplistically speaking. You've got the G, which is gay men, who are cisgendered men who love cisgendered men, and the bisexuals, who are cisgendered people who do both. And the T, I think, to a certain extent, has disrupted this kind of happy alliance which existed between the LG and the B, and maybe that's where some of the pushback is coming from, because it comes from from the L and the G. I know I talk a lot about the lesbian project and the LGB alliance, which is predominantly cisgendered female driven, which is actually interesting because Kelly Jean Keen is also in trouble now because she's been going after lesbians. She's been saying that only the biological parents of a child should be on a birth certificate. And that's exactly what I said would they would uh, about. <laughs> You know, it's it's a very short step from anti-trans to anti-gay. Yeah. And she's not even gay. She's a cis-heteronormative person. So whoever decided she should be a spokesperson for lesbian women, well, you had it coming because she doesn't understand your lived experience. She doesn't understand our community. You held her up as a spokesperson for your rights and now riding the tigers back we've talked about that before Mm -hmm. you were riding the tigers with the right wing when they were allowing you to dunk on trans people but oh boy how quickly does that tiger turn on you the minute it decides you shouldn't be on the back anymore but yeah gender stereotypes so i think that has a lot to do with it and i know like i've often struggled to define myself i half jokingly refer to myself as a transbian <laughs> but i know that's probably i'm like trying to excuse the fact that i wasn't assigned female at birth and i'm sure there are people out there in our listenership who feel that trans women are women so if you are a trans woman who's attracted to women you are a lesbian you're not a transbian you're a lesbian and i guess that's that's on the one hand i completely understand that on the other hand the thing that i struggle with with that comes back Back to what my child said to me. I, I say child, it's hard to refer to them because if I refer to them, if I were to say to you, my daughter said to me or my son said to me, you can decide in your own mind whether you think that individual is young or old. I've yet to come up with a way to express that this is one of my children without using the word child, which seems to imply that they are very young because they're not, they're 24. So I'm not quite sure how to... <laughs> <laughs> Do you struggle with that a bit? So to what extent am I perpetuating and are we perpetuating the gender stereotype by insisting that we lock ourselves into this particular definition? And it comes back to something which has bothered me for a long time. But before I get into that, Lee, do you want to come in? Because you were talking about something and I've kind of lost track of what you were saying. You also lost yeah. track of what you were saying. Yeah, I, I have because <laughs> I've been like listening contently. But I think what we're getting on to talking about is just breaking the gender stereotypes by questioning the binary construct of gender and how that affects us in our worldview. Because like we were both saying, that's what we've grown up with. and. 
I can almost feel the fear-mongering that goes on, saying, stay away from our children. Don't come after our children, because people with that kind of outlook on life are very much focused on the binary. There is only male, female, man, woman. There's nothing in between in their viewpoint. Yeah, and to hell with the emotional trauma they create for these children who don't fit squarely into the boy or girl. Mm. We've spoken at length about I, I think one of the good news things that came out last week was the fact that Rishi Sunak was told you can't actually provide guidance to schools to tell them that they should out trans kids to their parents because there are and I thought that was really good so it sort of stalled things for now in terms of that because I am very against outing children to their parents because if children haven't come out to their parents there's a damn good reason why they haven't Mm. Yeah, but it does kind of come back to, I guess, for me, when I worked in banking, and we used to do ID verification over the phone, right? And well, actually, I, I can go even further back than that. So when credit cards first came out, a lot of people don't know this, but they used to emboss an M or an F on the card. I had no idea. Yeah. And it was back in the days with those zip zap machines where you sort of handed over your card and they, I mean, I, I imagine a lot of our listeners don't remember it, but you gave your card to the shop owner and they would put it on this machine thing and then they would put a triple layer piece of paper on it and go, zhuk, go zip zap. and take an imprint of your card. So obviously identity verification under those circumstances was rudimentary. You had to sign it and then they would check the signature. But obviously if you stole that credit card, it was quite easy to obviously practice the signature. And because it wasn't all online, if you reported your credit card as stolen, it would take quite a while before that card could be stopped. And in many ways, it could never be stopped because it was just on paper. But one of the things that they had was an M and an F embossed on the card. And the fact that not a lot of people know this is probably why it worked. And what it was, if a person who identified as male came in with a card that had an F embossed on it, it was a signal to the shopkeeper that possibly this wasn't the legitimate owner of the card. In a way, it kind of worked. But when I used to work in the credit card industry, and I first started working in the card industry in 1999, so a long time ago, I I looked at that and I said, well, hang on a minute, surely people know this. So if I steal someone's credit card and it's got an F on it, I'm going to make sure that somebody identifying as female uses that card to perpetrate fraud. So someone in my little gang, I'll give it to somebody who's an F, right? But to a certain extent, it perpetuates through to today when you phone into the bank and I know for many trans people, this is one of our biggest forms of frustration is we go through all the identity verification short of a DNA sample, and they're still not necessarily convinced that we are who we say we are because we sound one gender or the other, which kind of perpetuates this gender stereotype. But there's more to say on this, and I'm going somewhere with it, I promise you. (laughs) But we've got to give our sponsors an opportunity to come in and tell you all about themselves. So we're going to go to a quick break and we will be back after this. Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Are you trans and non-binary and feel like drugs or alcohol are impacting your life negatively? Why not check out Trans Sober? We're a grassroots peer support group for the community, by the community. 
Find us at www.transober.org and join us online or come to one of our weekly drop-ins. We also offer other useful resources. Looking for business cards? Flyers? In fact, anything in print? We can help. Digital format specialists. www.printsmart.uk.com Think smart, print smart. Did you know you can advertise with us for less than a pound a day? Call 0207 856 0584 or email sales at transradiouk.com. Transradio UK, a global radio station the whole LGBTQ community can be proud of. Are you looking for an intimate and affordable graphic design service? Are you an indie author needing help to publish your book? Theodora Rosenberg is here to help. With packages for marketing, publishing and branding available, you're sure to be satisfied. Find out more at authortheorose.com Trans Radio UK is on right now. Across the UK and beyond. Now, now, more of the music you love. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. So just before the break, we were talking about gender markers on credit cards, which obviously you don't have anymore because the banks have obviously got more sophisticated ways of determining your identity. But now I remember at the time, so this this was 23 years ago, I remember thinking to myself then, what is the relevance of a gender marker? Why is it an identifying characteristic? Why is it, if you think about it with birth certificates, why is it so crucial that we are marked as male or female? That's a very good question. Is it some form of control? I have no idea. Maybe that's something I need to go away and do a YouTube rabbit hole about. Why is it so important? Surely this is a being. And yes, everybody has two biological parents. Lee and I have a mutual friend who's pregnant who doesn't want the biological father on the birth certificate, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with that. But the point is, every human being in existence has had a biological male and a biological female as a parent, as, as the, not parent, sorry, as the inceptor, if you like, of that life, because you need the male and the female to make another one. So I understand why I still have a lot of issues with birth certificates in general, because why should you have to register with the state that there is a new being that has come into existence? So actually, your human rights are limited from the moment you're registered with the state. But take it as it is, right, okay, so you've got a biological male and a biological female have created this new human being. They've given it a label. So you are labeled as Lee. That's your label. And you might have a secondary label. And then isn't that enough? I mean, cars don't have gender. Cars have a manufacturer so that the biological parents of a child are their manufacturer, right? Right. The female is the factory and the male is the part supplier. I'm way out on a limb here, (laughs) teetering on very dangerous territory. And so a car has a VIN number, the vehicle identity number, and that regardless of the registration number that you put on the vehicle, the VIN is unique to that specific vehicle. So 
So why, as human beings, are we so preoccupied with defining that this human being is male or female? Well, I think the notion that individuals can only be masculine or, or feminine and that these qualities are intrinsically tied to one's biological sex are deeply ingrained in society. And we are taught from childhood what these societal norms and expectations and roles are. And it's time we wake up and say, you know what, we, we're living in the year 2023. And let's challenge those ingrained qualities linked to one's biological sex. Let's challenge them. Let's talk about them. Yeah. I mean, it might be 2023, but that's just because there was an arbitrary line in the sand drawn sand. by the Christians. Yeah. But the human species is, depending on who you talk to, you know, we're actually in year 150,000-ish. So never mind 2023, we're in 150,000 something and of the human species. But I must admit, I still haven't really answered that question to my own satisfaction as to, because it, what you say is right, okay, there are societal norms which embody whether you are defined as male or female in that society, but that is a secondary concept, right? Because the society you're born into, yes, will put certain preconceived notions on you that you need to conform to certain things. But before that even happens, you are deemed by the state in which you are born to be male or female. Why? To what end? Because we know why they register us. They register us because they want us on the population register so that ultimately they can collect taxes from us when we get old enough. True. And they can exactly. tax they can tax our effort. Okay, fine. So let's all accept whether you into conspiracy theories or not, the state has a vested interest in knowing who its citizens are, whether that is nefarious <laughs> or otherwise that it's a conversation for another day. So I understand why human beings are registered, right? Okay, nefarious or otherwise, a state needs to know that, okay, this is another citizen of my state. Fine, I'll give you that. Not sure I agree with it, but let's just accept that as a norm. So why does your gender matter to the state? That was a pause because both of us were just not sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a very good question, isn't it? Yeah. Why does it matter? Why is it on your birth certificate? Because we can understand why everything else is there. We can, you know, states need to register citizens, but you've got a label, you've got a name, you've got your manufacturers. Why is a gender marker even on your birth certificate? Why does it matter. I must admit, I am still, I don't know. I don't know is the simple answer. I know what the consequences of it being on your birth certificate. I suppose, no, no, because it doesn't, I was going to say, I suppose because later on that individual could either be collectively a mother or a father in the traditional sense of it and could either be the part supplier or the or the manufacturer of the next human being. But even then, do, why does that matter? There is a life. A life has been created. I am going to the state and I'm presenting this human being to the state and I'm saying, here is a human being. Badoom. There you go. And obviously parental rights, 
custodial issues, maintenance agreements, child support, all of those things obviously have a legislative purpose. So clearly connecting when two people choose to have a child, they become collectively responsible for that child until it reaches the age of majority and and is capable of making its own mistakes and decisions in the world. So somebody needs to be responsible for that citizen, if you like, financially and emotionally and spiritually until it is old enough to take care of itself. And the state, I guess, I, I get that the state has an interest in ensuring that children are protected. So I, I go along with all of that. I don't have an issue with any of that. What I have an issue with is it still doesn't answer why there is a gender marker on the birth certificate. Because all of those things could exist without a gender marker. I think traditionally, having your sex recorded on your birth certificate may have in the past been used for demographic information, so statistical reasons to sort of like track trends in the population and the differences between the sexes in areas like health, education and, and employment. But does is, is that really sort of valid now? Does that really matter now? Are those derivative, i.e. a consequence of that? Or No, I think you have a point there, actually. Mm. No, I can understand possibly, yeah. And I mean, especially in this country with our National Health Service, such as it is, we talked about the poor treatment of menopause, for example. Mm. Far more support goes to prostate cancer, which is a male-dominated disease, than goes to menopause relief. And you can't get certain contraception devices on the National Health Service, but you can get Viagra, <laughs> which just shows you. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. so yeah, I guess I guess that has to a certain extent, yeah. The state would want to understand the health of its population, its sustainability, because obviously you need a certain amount of parts suppliers and a certain amount of manufacturers you like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, to that extent, it makes sense that they would have an interest in understanding that. I guess it's we as a society have taken that and made it mean more than it necessarily needs to mean other than a statistical point on a graph somewhere. And we're going to think about that as we go into the next break. And we'll be back after the- Oh, I love this. We continue in moments. This is good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Do you need someone to talk to? If you're on your own, it's like days and nights are long. Feel you have no one that will listen. doesn't have to be that way. Well, everybody hurts, but sometimes everybody cries. Everybody hurts, Talk lessons because everyone needs to talk sometime. Call 0800 009 6640 between 8am and 2am. 
Truck Listens, because everybody needs to talk sometime. Did you know we receive no funding here at Trans Radio UK? To keep us on air and growing, we rely on donations. To donate, please head to www.transradiouk.com and click the link. A regular payment of £20 will see you become a partner of Truck. Other options are available. Email info at transradiouk.com for details. A big thank you from all the team here at Trans Radio UK. The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. I hope you had a good break. Before the break, we were talking about why the state has a vested interest in knowing whether you are a boy or a girl, an M or an F. And to a certain extent, whether you agree with it or not, the state can justify that. That's where we kind of got to was, yeah, the state can justify because it needs to understand demographics, the future health of the nation. If you just look at the devastating effect of the one-child policy in China and how it had such a massive impact on China's birth rate because the Chinese were valuing male children greater than female children, which is a whole other conversation. But the point is, it is important for a society to propagate and survive that there is a balance between the part supplier and the manufacturer. And I'm going to just stick with that analogy because (laughs) it it sort of allows me to steer away from male, female and, and those sort of connotations. But it does bring us to the point, okay, so I get why the state would want to understand the manufacturers of the product, its label, and in the case of human beings, its gender, in order to understand the demographics of its population, and provides services relevant to those particular people. Which brings us on to the next point, which is, does it do so fairly? Does Britain or society in general equally distribute? benefits to the M's and the F's. And I wonder if that's not one of the underlying frustrations with the gender binary society. And yeah, so what do people do with that? Okay, so we've established, right, a state will want to know manufacturer, point of origin, <laughs> point of origin. <laughs> label and gender so we give them that okay so the state's gonna go off and do what it needs to do with it what does society do with it what do we choose to do with it well yeah it leads on to this construct that we've been talking about this theme that we've been talking about gender stereotypes you mentioned favoring the male child in china and i think our society is still thinking in the dark ages where the males had privilege over women and women were classified really as a possession of the male not so long ago. So it like solidifies these gender stereotypes, having that M and F label. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things with why it was so important to allow people to have a no-fault divorce. Because the absence of a no-fault divorce meant that if a woman wanted to leave a man, she had to have a litany of evidence to demonstrate why the marriage needed to be terminated. And Jacob Rees-Mogg is on record as fighting against no-fault divorce. 
And it, it's such a weird concept to me because I grew up in two countries which had no fault divorce. Possibly I was too young when I was living in Zimbabwe, but I mean, in South Africa, you want to get divorced? Well, you just nullify the contract. We talked about that a while ago, that marriage mm. is really, from as far as the state is concerned, a marriage is a legal contract. And so obviously you need to appeal to the state to nullify that contract. And there are aspects around life insurance and there, there are ramifications, but they're all legislative. They're all legal. The idea that in this country for so long, and I'm not even sure, do they have not, have they passed no fault divorce in the UK? Yes. I'm not, has yeah, that I think passed? It, okay. I think it's coming quite recently, like mm. six months, a year, there or thereabouts, maybe just a little bit more. I'm pretty sure it has been passed. When I divorced my ex, or when we got divorced, let me put it to you that way. So when we got divorced, it was still under the, you had to demonstrate fault. And I mean, even then, I remember thinking, I kind of, she had to come up with a whole lot of spurious reasons. She couldn't say well, it's because I've changed gender and she's not a lesbian. And I remember at the time thinking, yes, I understand the need for trans rights, but surely that is a perfectly reasonable reason to want to divorce someone. But she couldn't use that as a reason, which fascinated me at the time. And it, it, in a way, it was quite hurtful because she had to come up with things and inflate things, possibly beyond reason, in order to demonstrate to the courts that it was justified. It was awful. So I'm really glad that we don't do that anymore. So I guess that's, I think, no-fault divorce is connected in a way to this idea, or, or rather the absence of it. So the way it was before was, yeah, a woman had to demonstrate that the man was not taking good care of her in order to divorce him. And that ties into what Lee was saying around women were possessions of men. I, I remember when I, I first read The Handmaid's Tale, and obviously there, the handmaids are of the man of the house, so of Joseph and of Jeremiah and what have you. But in a way, is, is that any different to when that societal convention that says that you could be, I could be Julianne, Kurt, that's my label. But when I get married, there's a convention that says I must now adopt the surname of my husband and he gets to stay. He, he's Mr. So, so he's Mr. Curtis for his whole life. Whereas you become Mr. You are a derivation of his legal position in society. And that's the inescapable conclusion is that certainly in our society, there, there are horrendous societies. Saudi Arabia, where the fact that you're a woman means you can't drive, means you can't show yourself. And I understand all the reasons I've spoken to many Muslim women who are perfectly comfortable. To, to them, it's their beauty is for their husband only, and they don't mind it. It's a lot less pressure. So they don't actually have that Western society pressure to have makeup and dress up and look good all the time, and you need to smile more. So to a certain extent, there are advantages which have been shared with me by Muslim women who have said, yeah, but on the the other hand these are the benefits but then things like not being allowed to drive they all concede that's stupid it just shows you that these things can be taken beyond the realm of what's justifiable and i think that's a big part of it we understand why the state 
wants to know if you're male or female from a demographic point of view. But the reason why society wants to know is entirely down to culture. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. As a society, we need to remember that breaking down gender stereotypes is challenging. And it's a concern for all of us who are the directly or indirectly affected. It's a universal issue. So the gender marker in and of itself is not the problem. It's what society has society. chosen to do with it. Yeah. It's what people choose to do with it. I think this is why the state probably in and of itself, the state as an entity probably has no opinion one way or the other. But the people who run the state, the Jacob Rees-Moggs and the Kimmy Badenochs and the Keir Starmers, they're people, they're humans, they're individuals. They are part of the society that exists within the state and they have an opinion. And at the end of the day, why should it matter whether you're male or female? And this is one of the things that really struck me at Trans Pride because there were a lot of non-binary or gender non-conforming people there. And as I said at the top of the hour, it challenged my unconscious bias because I'm kind of used to seeing trans women as people who present as women and trans men as people who present as men. But there were people presenting as women with beards and it really made me think about my own. I don't want to say prejudice because I didn't judge them, but it did take me by surprise in a way because that's not what I'm used to. But at least I have the sense of mind to be able to look at that and say, actually, that's really cool. That is showing a middle finger to societal to society's definition of what a man or a woman is because and and this gets back to what my child who's not a child anymore <laughs> struggled with was they just wanted to be seen as a human being why was it so important for society and i think we've established it's justifiable for the state to have an opinion on it or or the state to want to know but why why should it matter to society whether you one thing or the other or whatever you are and it comes back to religion doesn't it yeah i think you've hit the nail on on the head there i think the other thing to consider is that in challenging gender stereotypes and this binary thinking it's a personal journey. It's a personal journey for your own evolution. And it involves questioning our own biases and stereotypes. And I think the important thing is unlearning those societal norms and instead just foster empathy for different gender identities. But religion seems to present, it seems to, and we've talked about religion before, haven't we, in terms mm. of, you know, our head of state is also our he the head of our church. There is a very loose separation, if you like. It's more of a picket fence than a wall between state and church in this country. And I mean, in, in America, we're seeing they, they want to build a wall <laughs> between them and Mexico, but they want to break down the wall between the church and state. And it's just interesting because you have a situation where society is being driven by religious fervor. It's just religion. It's religion that causes the problem. And a lot of people don't know this, but in the Ten Commandments in the original Hebrew, that commandment about thou shalt not covet another man's wife, it wasn't just his wife. It was his cattle, his home, his possessions. It wasn't just his wife. It was collectively everything the man owned, which was the wife was just one of those things. She was there pretty much on the same level as the cattle 
cattle and goats that he owned. So it's religion. At the end of the day, the gender binary exists specifically because of religion. It always comes back to that. And even when we talk about sport and fairness and sport and all the rest of it, we pick and choose which characteristics we feel are relevant. Very recently, the European Court of Human Rights, that Casta Semenya, who is a South African runner, who was born female, she had female on her birth certificate. As far as the state of South Africa is concerned, she is female. But World Athletics decided she wasn't and decided because she has more testosterone than the average female due to a quirk of her physiology, that she must be banned from competition. That's a slippy slope because people may not know this or have chosen to forget it. But one of the reasons that Hitler was so aggravated with the 1932 Olympics or whichever one it was, was because Jesse Owens, who was the black man, won the 100 meters. And he was enraged because he, in his warped sense of he wasn't only anti-Semitic, he was a racist. He was a purist. He believed blonde hair, blue eyes, white skin, and everything else was an impurity that needed to be purged from the earth. That was his underlying spiritual philosophy. So he was enraged when Jesse Owens won the 100 meters because that was in front of everyone who he had tried to convince that white people were superior. And here was a black man coming along and demonstrating that they certainly aren't over 100 meters. And you could argue 400 meters, 5,000 meters, marathons. It's so, but it was people like Hitler who wanted to ban black athletes from athletics. So it's the same instinct that seeks to discriminate against people who don't conform. I'll be very firm on this point. It's not the state. The state has no opinion on it. The ban by the rugby football union, the ban by world rugby on trans women in rugby, the ban of trans women in athletics, in cycling, in swimming has not come from the state. It's come from the governing bodies who are not public sector entities. They exist to service the people participating in their sport. And that should include everybody, trans or otherwise. And for them to just say, okay, trans people can't participate is basically the same thing as saying, well, you know what, white people just can't seem to win the 100 meter sprint. So let's just ban black people because we've got to level up. We've got to do some affirmative action for white sprinters. I'm not saying we should, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a fair point that you raise, isn't it? Yeah. What is the difference? People would be outraged if that happened. Yet why are they not outraged about banning transgender people in us? Why not? And I mean, there have been successful white runners like Bruce Fordyce and Sebastian Coe himself. So there are exceptions, but equally so are they in the swimming pool. The swimming pool is predominantly white. Swimmers are predominantly white people, but there are black people who are world-class swimmers. So it's not, but it is almost in a way, it's the flip side of the same thing. And we all just sort of say, okay, well, that's fine. Clearly people like Michael Phelps had a specific genetic advantage in the swimming pool 
pool, but nobody sought to take him out the pool. So why should they take Costa Semenya off the running track? And that's what the European Court of mm. Human Rights upheld, was that some people are inherently biologically superior in their chosen field. We don't limit people who are particularly intelligent and say to them, well, society, your IQ is too high for society, so we have to ban you from society because we can't have people with such high IQs running rampant in society because you're creating a disadvantage to everybody else. I could go on and on. There are so many examples. So mm. why should being trans be one of those things? And it actually comes down to narrow-minded bigotry is all it is. It's all it is. Yeah. And just to link it back to your point on religion, I think it's people in society that follow a religion. Are they the ones that are, I think, personally, causing all, all the waves? Because in the Bible, it's a man and a woman. That's what God has said. That's how it should be. And anything that threatens that narrative is completely wrong without even joining in a debate or discussion about it. Just completely narrow-minded. Yeah, I think we need to have a conversation maybe next week about... Because for a long time, I've had an idea around the Bible and all of these things. But well, that's probably a conversation for another day. And in a way, it's not about Christians generally, because Caroline last week was a self-professed Christian, but she wanted to be comfortable that she could worship her God in an environment in which everybody was accepted. So it's not a Christian fundamental, if you like. But fundamentalist Christians, I've always said it's not the belief system that's the problem. It's the fundamental believers of that system that are the problem. Because the Quran speaks volumes about peace and harmony. Islam is actually a very peaceful religion. But the fundamentalists turn it into something that it wasn't intended for. And you could say exactly the same thing about Christianity. Christianity only exists because of the sword arm of the Roman church. I mean, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Conversations for another day. But in terms of wrapping this up, it's definitely, I think what we've answered is we can understand why it's important to the state, but it's people. It's not the state that is at fault for putting gender markers on birth certificates. They have a legitimate reason for wanting that and needing that. It's what people then do with that information. It's people that are the problem. And that's my last word on the subject. What's your last word on the subject, Lee? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the path to dismantling the damaging construct of gender stereotypes and, in, in, in fact, just challenging this binary thinking is neither straightforward nor easy. And it demands that we are committed to personal introspection. And it's a path that we must tread for it lies in a society. We, we want to, to live in a society that embraces diversity and champions equality. And just, you know, allowing people to express their authentic selves freely. Yeah, we as human beings have created the inequality and we just use gender markers and religion and things like that as an excuse to behave poorly ultimately all right before i go off on another rant given that we don't have any time left we will definitely have to do pick up some of these things on another program so with that thank you very much for spending the last hour with us and that's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from me until next time in love and light bye